Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserved, but the hero we needed. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, it's Friday. We made it, folks. It's been a long week, I'm sure, for a lot of you out there. Welcome in. It is time for the Big Six. As I look at the clock, I look at my watch, and it is indeed straight up 6 o'clock. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. As always, thank you for making me a part of your evening, making this show a part of your evening, making this station a part of your day. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I really want to sit here and just read tweets that people sent with their stories of why they love sports. Seems like a lot of you guys really enjoyed that show last night. We're going to bring that topic back from time to time because there were a lot of phone calls that wanted to that we wanted to get to. We just didn't have time to get to in our hour of allotted time, certainly. So we'll bring that back. But I'm really appreciative of the things that you said and the things that you sent my way after that show. Seems like a lot of you were kind of in the same boat with me. You were looking for some positivity last night, and we got it. We're going to talk a lot of footballs on tonight's show. All levels. We got my buddy Trey Wallace from It's Optional down in Knoxville coming up. We'll talk a lot of Vols Gamecocks plus SEC headlines and maybe even a little bit of hoops with all the optimism surrounding Rick Barnes in Tennessee this year. Then we'll have Murphy Fair. He'll join us to preview the final week of the regular season and high school ball tonight. Some big games happened last night as well, but unbelievably enough, it's already week 11. Football comes and goes really, really quick. Thursday night football. Well, it's a four straight blowout for Thursday night football. But after watching Deshaun Watson throw five touchdowns last night, DeAndre Hopkins catching everything within his orbit, an offensive line that finally kept their quarterback pretty clean and a defense that's rounding into form, even if they're giving up trick play touchdowns like Danny Amendola to Jakeem Grant. We got the Titans on a bye and the AFC South is starting to show its cards a little bit, or is it? Let's discuss the AFC South here in this segment before the season. If you listen to the NFL preview edition of the Big Six, I picked the Texans to win the division and Jacksonville to be a wild card. I still think both of those things can happen, but admittedly all the turmoil in Florida makes me feel a lot better about the first prediction. The Texans have a lot of talent, and you had to wonder when it would begin to gel again. Their offensive line played like trash. That's being diplomatic, at least for much of this season. Last night they played well, and actually in the last two games, Lamar Miller's gone over 100 on the ground, and he's saying glowing things about what they're doing for him in the run game. It's possible they could find somebody on the trading block to shore up that unit. Not particularly likely they're going to find a difference maker there that somebody's going to be willing to give up. But it may be something that Deshaun Watson, Lamar Miller, everybody else on that offense is just going to have to deal with. And if Watson goes down, we know the Texans are going to be done. Last night, the team also lost its number two wide receiver in Will Fuller. He tore his ACL in the win, which was 
Certainly a sad ending to a good night for the Texans. He was having a great year, too. He was perfect on the opposite side from Hopkins, making some big grabs, including last night. But, you know, you've still got DeAndre Hopkins. Lamar Miller gets a heavier workload as the tailback than many in the NFL, and he's been doing good work all year, at least when he's gotten blocking. Ultimately, though, this division still feels like it's a little bit up for grabs. Houston's definitely playing the best football of the four. I don't think anybody out there within the sound of my voice is going to say that I'm wrong there. They're 5-3. and three. They've won five in a row after the tough start. Jacksonville and the Titans are both 3-4, and four, and the Colts are 2-5. and five. And Indy does not look very good outside of Andrew Luck and a few of their skill players. They just don't have enough talent right now in all of the key spots. But they're still a team you kind of have to pay attention to because Luck's going to throw a ton of passes, and he can definitely beat you on any given day. The Titans are in trouble right now because... They haven't looked good in their losses. They're not out of it by any means, but two of their three losses during this losing streak were very ugly. It was a terrible performance in Buffalo. It was an embarrassment at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. In London, you looked a lot better against a good Chargers team, even though no Melvin Gordon out there. They they definitely handled the run well. Los Angeles couldn't do anything on the ground. Too many chunk plays in the secondary, explosive passes downfield, from Phillip Rivers to Keenan Allen and the Williams is, 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 is. But they gave up 20 total points in that game. And the problem was the offense let them down again and just couldn't score enough. Keep in mind in these three losses, the Titans scored 12, 0, and 19. They're just not putting points on the scoreboard. We talked about Occam's Razor and keeping it simple a couple of days ago. They're just not doing it. They're not putting up points. In a year with record scoring and quarterbacks playing at one of the highest clips we've ever seen with these new rules designed to favor offenses. This Monday night game coming up in Dallas in a week and a half is huge. If you lose that game, you're probably going to be 3-6. and six. You'll be 3-5 and five and then New England's coming to town. And when New England comes to town and you're 3-5, and five, if you're 3-5, and five, Nissan Stadium's going to be a bunch of Pats fans cheering for Tom Brady. If you're three and six, you can lose maybe two more games to have any shot whatsoever at anything. And I don't think this team is really built to do that, to go on that kind of a streak. So that makes the Cowboys game under the lights make or break. If you lose it, I think the playoffs fade completely. Now, if you look at Jacksonville, I don't know how you can trust them. If they go get Teddy Bridgewater or maybe they look at RG3, who had a good training camp and is sitting there certainly not being used right now in Baltimore behind Joe Flacco, Maybe you can find something there. But they certainly addressed this quarterback spot poorly over the last few years. They built everything else pretty much right. They've dealt with some injuries, but they built that team well and did not shore up the one position you have to shore up to have any chance in the NFL. They've dealt with their share of injuries this year, but let's go back and look at that Leonard Fournette pick. It basically set the AFC in motion. Had Jacksonville taken Deshaun Watson, had Jacksonville taken Pat Mahomes instead, we might be looking at an entirely different conference today, but instead they take a running back at four and they forget to actually draft his hamstring with him and they don't have a quarterback. And I've got to say the one take that's worse to me this week than the people that are upset that the Titans fired Mike Malarkey because of a two-point situation that they disagree with. Hey, I disagree with it too, but you were the same people calling this radio station saying you wanted Malarkey out of here a year ago, so I'm not going to listen to that. The only worse take than that is Eli Manning's name continually being brought up as the savior to go down and reunite with Tom Coughlin in 2018. Eli Manning is done 
stop mentioning his name. He's not the answer down there. Now, looking just at the division overall, Houston's next four games at Denver. That's a tough place to play, but my boys are not any good. At Washington's not easy. Alex Smith is playing well. They're in the lead in their division right now. Then home versus the Titans and home versus the Browns, home versus the Colts. So that's the next five. They're probably, I'd say at worst, they're three and two out of that five, which would make them eight and five with three to play. Those three are at the Jets, at Philadelphia, and home for Jacksonville. It's anybody's guess what's going to happen here. But if you look at Tennessee, you know Dallas, New England, Houston, the Jags, and Washington all left outside of the Jets in two games against Indianapolis. Neither one of those two schedules is exactly the toughest in the league, but no NFL schedule is a cakewalk, especially with the way the Titans have played for much of the last four games, or three games to be sure. They played very well the fourth game. Jacksonville has Philadelphia and London. That's a big-time game coming up on Sunday with a bad broadcasting booth. Goes to Indianapolis. Then they get the Steelers at home, and the Steelers have a lot to play for. We'll see whether Le'Veon Bell's on the field by that point. At Buffalo, Indy again, here in Nashville for the Titans, the Redskins at Miami, and then they finish up with Houston. It could go in a number of ways, I guess, but I'm sticking with my prediction. Titans are going to finish third in the division. The Texans are going to win it at 10-6. and six. And I think Jacksonville, though, is going to be out in the cold. They're not going to end up with one of these wild cards. Maybe they could... But it sure seems to me like Los Angeles and somebody from the AFC North is going to snatch up the wild card, and Jacksonville's not going to get there. And it's going to be because they play, they paid Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles is good maybe one out of every four games. So the AFC South is kind of a crapshoot. That's basically what we've come across and said over the last nine minutes or so, but the Texans did look awfully good last night. Deshaun Watson's five touchdowns, and he was on my fantasy bench. So let's not talk about that anymore. Let's bring in our good friend Tom Duggan of DTC Sports and uh, DTC3.TV is the website. Tom, this is it for high school football. The regular season coming to an end this evening. Man, it's hard to believe it's week 11 already. I, I just remember week one seemed like it was about a, a week or two ago, and here we are week 11 already. And uh, it's just hard to believe it's already come and gone so fast, Jason. Yeah, no no kidding. I mean, it literally feels like we just started talking like a month ago, and yep. the season is over, and we're getting to the playoffs, which are going to be a lot of fun. So where is the DCC sports crew going to be tonight? Well, we're going to be in Gordonsville at Turney Ford Field, and it's going to be a rainy night in Gordonsville, it looks like, as well, as uh, the Gordonsville Tigers will wrap up their regular season. They've already wrapped up the Region 4-1A championship. I hate to say they really have nothing to play for tonight other than it's going to be senior night. Of course, the seniors want to go out with a big win, but uh, they want to go into the playoffs red hot because they've got some tough teams that they'll be facing up against in the playoffs. A couple of rounds, they may see South Pitt. Whitwell's also in that bracket, so some pretty tough competition. They don't want to let down tonight. They've got Clay County coming in, and Clay County does have something to play for. They're trying to get to the number three seed out of Region 4-1A, and in order to do that, they're going to have to win and have a little help on top of that. Clay has been a bit up and down this year. They started off 3-0, and lost four games in a row. They've come back and won their last two. So they've been kind of puzzling this year, and we don't really know what kind of team they're going to bring into Gordonsville. They run the ball exceptionally well. they got a veteran quarterback in Jake Ashlock. But Gordonsville's got a good team. They're 7-2, and uh, won the region the last two years. Braxton Gibbons, their outstanding running back, he's had uh, 925 of their 1,964 yards, 13 touchdowns on the year. The sad part for that, for Braxton, though, he's not going to be playing tonight. Tweaked the knee last week against mm. Jackson County, and uh, he's going to miss this week and possibly next week the opening round of the playoffs. So 
should be a good game. Clay County always usually gives Gordsville a, a pretty tough test, so it'll be good for the Tigers to get that going into the playoffs. And folks out there at home, you can watch our game tonight. Well, whether you're at home or whether you're out and about, just go to the website, www.dtc3.tv. Again, dtc3.tv. Coach Vance, J.R. Smith, and I will have the call. And uh, hard to believe it's week 11, but uh, hey, Jason, I'm also excited about some playoff football coming up next week. Yep, it's only going to get bigger. Stakes are huge tonight, and stakes just continue to be bigger. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Tom. Hopefully the game keeps you dry tonight and that it's an interesting, dramatic matchup. We'll talk to you next week as the playoffs begin. Okay, thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. That is Tom Duggan. Trey Wallace from Knoxville. We're going to talk some college football coming up. Stick around. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back in Friday edition. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, as always. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. I bring in the guy that I have on pretty frequently here now on the show, especially during college football season. Trey Wallace down in Knoxville, host of its optional on their Fox affiliate down there. Trey, what's up, my friend? Hey, buddy. Good evening to you. Hope you're doing well, man. And uh, always good to get back on the air with you, brother. Indeed. Well, uh, we'll talk about some good things. We'll talk about some bad things. We talk about escapist entertainment for a living, but sometimes life can get in the way. How bad do you feel for Trey Smith? I saw that come down yesterday, and it kind of broke my heart in half. It's been a tough week when you look at that with the Roman Reigns news that came out on Monday night, and uh, certainly that not a, a Tennessee story, but then here comes Trey Smith. This this kid just can't catch a break. No, and yesterday I got a uh, I got a little tip that something might be coming down news wise, but I never thought it was I never thought it was Trey Smith, and this was one of the risks, unfortunately, of him coming back and playing Tennessee and, and getting off the, the blood thinners that he was on for his his clots in his lungs. It was always a risk that would come back, and it, it sounds like Wednesday afternoon to practice, uh, he was out there for a majority of the period, then he started. Uh, having some problems, and, and they went off and got tested, and uh, unfortunately came back. To, you know, the blood clots had come back in his lungs, and you just feel you feel heartbroken for the kid because you know how much he put into it. Um, you know, his family and friends, and now his future's up in the air because I I look at it from somebody just kind of trying to be outside looking in. Is I, you know, everything he's going to have to go through again. And also, I don't know if if Tennessee can put him back on the field. You know, that's that's one of the things as well. Uh, just from technically, like an insurance wise type deal, and um, it, it is it is a sad situation. You hope he just gets healthy for him himself, and he's able to live a normal life in any way possible. Um, but just a sad ordeal outside of football. Uh, it is tough, and then, like you said, the Roman Reigns thing uh, this week, Joe and Owen, um Man, it's something that that I didn't know that he was that he was dealing with, and, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he makes that announcement. And, and you know, former Georgia Tech, uh, all ACC player, three year starter for them. Uh, it, it's been a rough week when it comes to, to off the field college football stuff. No doubt, you found out that his relative Samu also is dealing with cancer as well. Right. So that's just a really I, tough time for that family. I, I I tend to agree with you, not necessarily just because of the insurance thing, but when I read this, the first thing that ran through my head was I think Trey Smith might have played his last down of football, and that's yeah. that 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 really is sad. And then on the flip side for Tennessee. Trey Smith was, he had some flashes and he had some moments where it looked like, you know, maybe there were still some things that were lingering behind. 
but this offensive line is already thin. We knew that. So how much of a detriment is this going into what I think is a very winnable game tomorrow against South Carolina? I don't I don't want to take anything away from Trey Smith. And that's not what I'm trying to do when I say this. But Trey Smith is is I think he's been struggling with fatigue. I'm not yes. a doctor. But you can see it. He's been struggling in that position. They've had to put him in a spot where he's not quite comfortable with, and I understand that. But I don't know if it's too big and much of a drop-off. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in a way of he's just had his struggles this year. And and hopefully Tennessee can plug somebody in there, either it's a Tatum or a Niehaus. Or, you know, I, don't, I don't think they're going to switch Drew Richmond over. But it's just a situation where I think Tennessee's going to be able to, to plug somebody. And this is why they've been switching and rotating offensive linemen so much during practices during the week. And, and, and even during fall camp is just you never know the situation that might arise. So um, I, I look at this. Yes, Tennessee lost an anchor. They lost a, a, a leader on that offensive line. But but hopefully they can somebody can step up and play for Trey Smith and be able to get some productivity. Yeah, no, I agree. When you look at the South Carolina matchup, before we move into some of the other things happening around the AF or the uh, the SEC, the big thing is I just feel like you can win this game. South Carolina has not been as impressive to me, certainly as I expected them to be. I didn't know that there was going to be a quarterback controversy at some point during this year. They that is not an easy place to play at all. So that's going to be a tough atmosphere. It's going to be a night game, which Tennessee is also not used to, certainly. I don't think they've played a night game all season. So this is going to be a different kind of test for them. What's the biggest key, based on what you know they can do and what they haven't done, to getting this win tomorrow? I mean, look, Tennessee's got to be able to run the ball, and that's going to be tough for their offensive line. And I understand that South Carolina gets a great defensive end back this week. Uh, coming off injury, uh, it, it, look, Jared Garantano is beat up right now, and if he takes one good clean shot on Saturday, I wouldn't be surprised if Killer Christ is in immediately and plays the rest of the game. Uh, he's banged up. He's got bruised ribs. He had to be taken out of the game last weekend, you know, and go get medical tests done during the game. I think this is a situation where if Tennessee's going to expose South Carolina they got to do the same thing they did at Auburn. They've got to stretch the field with Mark West Calloway and Juwan Jennings, get Palmer involved, who should be back this week. They've got to be able to hit those 20 to 30-yard deep balls and kind of open up South Carolina, which which what's going to happen is you're able to, to get the ball to Ty Chandler out in space, and he's able to make plays with his feet. And, you know, it kind of opens it up maybe a little bit for, for Tim Jordan up the middle. I just – this is going to be such a weird game, a game that I think Tennessee can go in and win. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand people are talking about, you know, South Carolina win this game now. You know, what is, you know, without Trey Smith, you know, what happens if a guarantee not healthy? I think Tennessee could go in and win this game with Keller Chris as a starting quarterback, just because he can spread the ball around. Um, I think Tennessee's defense is good enough to give whoever the quarterback is going to be Saturday for South Carolina. Bentley's been dealing with a, a foot-type injury. Straminski's there. I, I think that they have the ability to go in, and if they play with that chip on their shoulder like they did against Auburn, I think a win on Saturday could set up a huge stretch where they could go 3-1, and one, possibly 
four and zero down the stretch, but they got to win this game on Saturday. Looking at the rest of the East, tomorrow is the cocktail party, certainly down in Jacksonville between Florida and Georgia. I'll get your thoughts on that. But how much do you believe in Kentucky right now as well? They can run it, and they've got a great defense, but they absolutely cannot pass the football. And every time I watch them play, I wonder how it is that they're winning and just how dominant that defense must be and how good Benny Snell must be to overcome the fact they simply can't pass. They look like a high school team without a quarterback, with an athlete back there trying to pass the football. I mean, they had 18 yards passing last weekend against Vanderbilt. Right. I mean, that, you know, that kind of shows you everything you need to know. Uh, I think that, look, Benny Snell's really good. Um, when I saw that line come out on Sunday that, that Missouri was a six and in some places seven-point favorite at home, but over a 12th-ranked team in the country, I was like, okay, Vegas knows something that I don't know, and I've been watching Kentucky all year. Um you know, you know what Missouri's going to do. They're going to throw the ball all around the field. Emmanuel Hall should be back from Missouri this week. Uh, Drew Locke, they're going to put up some points. I think if Kentucky can come out and figure out a way to, to maybe some small passes, 10, you know, 5, 10 yards, make plays out in the field, uh, let Benny Snell get loose because I think their offensive line is good enough. And I definitely think their defensive line can get enough pressure on Drew Locke to cause some problems. Um, I, I I really want Kentucky to win this game because of their next game. If Kentucky can get through to Missouri, then they'll set up that huge matchup with Georgia November 3rd in Lexington. And it, crazy as it might sound, it could be for the SEC East, like at least somebody in the driver's seat. Um, so that's, it, it even makes things interesting down in Jacksonville this weekend with Florida, Georgia. So, I think Kentucky knows. I think they, they they feel disrespected talking to some folks up there this week, being a touchdown point underdog. Um, I look for Kentucky to go up there and actually win this ball game against Missouri uh, and kind of take the slap in the face they've been getting all week really personal. We got more. My good buddy Trey Wallace from It's Optional down in Knoxville coming up outside the break. I do want to talk about Florida, Georgia, Alabama's dominance, so much more, plus Tennessee basketball. It's actually exciting now, talking about Tennessee hoops. We'll do more of that next. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back, Big Six, here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me there. Had fun talking with Trey Wallace in that last segment. We kept him around. We're going to talk a little bit more SEC football and a little bit of SEC hoops as well. We talked about Georgia, and we talked about the SEC East right before the break there, Trey. Florida, Georgia, the cocktail party coming up as well, which should be most interesting. What kind of chances do you give Florida here? Georgia has shown, you know, the boat's got a few leaks in it, maybe more so than we expected at this point, but they're still an awfully good football team. I don't really think Florida is going to give them much of a game, but am I wrong? I... I I like Florida right now. Interesting. Well, and here's here's the reason why. I think they have the running game that can let Felipe Franks let it loose every now and then downfield. I and I don't know how you feel about this. I don't think Georgia is as physical this year as they were last year, and I think that's starting to show the way they played down at LSU. I mean, let's be real honest here. Joe Burrow is not some kind of world beater, you know. And they go down to LSU and they just get beaten up. I think, you know, I look at Georgia's secondary. There's some laxes there. 
Um, now, look, Georgia is a top-five team for a reason. Um, I'll be interested to see how they use their quarterbacks this weekend. I think they get more productivity by playing fields compared to Fromm when it comes to the run game. So I'll be interested to see how they throw fields in there. But right now, Florida just got something to them. And I can't figure it out because this is the same team that was out there last year. And maybe it's the Dan Mullen effect, but I look at this game as kind of a, not even a Georgia as a, a big point favorite, in my opinion. I almost look at it like as a toss-up. And right now, I'm sitting here, I'm taking Florida with the win on Saturday against Georgia. I just don't, the way they played against LSU, man, that opened up a lot of situations that Florida can take advantage of, especially getting out of the corners, exposing Georgia in the secondary. Uh, and if Felipe Franks can do his job and, and maintain himself and not turn the ball over, uh, I think Florida's got a good shot of winning this thing. Vanderbilt's playing Arkansas in the morning. Uh-huh. Vanderbilt's 0-4 in conference. They're 3-5 and overall. If you can't beat Chad Morris tomorrow, is that uh, pretty much the early swan song for Derek Mason, in your opinion? Talking to a couple of folks in Nashville this week, man, and, and, and let me preface this by saying I think Derek Mason is one of the nicest guys in the world. Agreed. But we have, to, we have to talk business here. And I don't think with the new AD coming in, uh, whoever they hire in the next month or two, um, I, I don't think if they lose to Arkansas tomorrow, I don't think Derek Mason is around uh, for this new athletic director. They that team needs a spark, man. And and as nice of a guy he is, and he can go make he could go make one point eight million dollars next year being a defensive coordinator somewhere, or he could go be a head coach in a group of five league. Um but I just don't think I think the SEC's finally caught up with him. And and that's not a that's not a, a snipe at him. That's just a a realistic figure that Vanderbilt actually does have some offensive talent. I think play calling has been abysmal this year. Uh, with Andy Ludwig as offensive coordinator, and you look at the talent that they do have, they have talent at running back, and they've got a quarterback that can make plays, but it's almost like Ludwig is being handcuffed, and I don't know if that's coming from Derek Mason or whoever uh, inside that program, but I look at this weekend as Derek Mason has to win this to save his job, and I still don't know if he's going to save it. Alabama was awfully impressive in Knoxville, but that could be applied to basically anywhere they play, whether it's Tuscaloosa yeah. or anywhere else in the country. There's only one. There's only two teams that have scored over 300 points in the SEC this season. Ole Miss has 307. You want to take a guess how many points Alabama scored this year? I don't know. Maybe what 350, 360. I... How about 433? 126 oh, oh points more than the number two offense. In the SEC is Alabama. So they've opened up as basically a two-touchdown favorite over LSU. You talked about Joe Burrow there. I think Alabama's going to beat the brakes off of LSU because I just think they're that much better than everybody else. You got to see Tua up close uh, last week in Knoxville. Him to Judy is one of the nastiest one-two punches I've seen in a long time. It's so beautiful, man. And just being able to watch a quarterback like that not even played the fourth quarter yet, uh, it's very... It's fun to watch. There's no other way to put it. It's just neat. You know, I'm down there, and I'm watching him sling the ball around, and his accuracy is just spot on. This is an Alabama team, man. They can run the – here's the biggest thing this year, too. Alabama's not having to rely on the run to open up the pass. They're passing to open up the run. When's the last time Alabama 
has ever done that. So I look at the game next weekend. I'm excited for that game just because of everything surrounding it, being in Baton Rouge, being at night on CBS, blah, blah, blah. I think LSU can keep it decent in the first half, and then Alabama just opens it up in the third quarter. Uh, but I am excited for the game just because all the nostalgia about it. And But look, man, Alabama is a train right now, and I don't know who's going to be able to take them off the tracks, even in the college football playoffs. I've said before it would be them. Like, the only team that can beat them is themselves. Right. Just on the wrong yeah. day, since it's a, since it's a, obviously one game, once you get to the playoffs, you're done. Do you have a four right now that you feel pretty comfortable in, in terms of who's going to be in the final four at the end of the season? Is there a team that yeah. you hope is not in there, and uh, why is it Ohio State? Because it is for it me is, also. It is Ohio State, because you know what's going to happen here. Ohio State goes on the road and gets beat by a three-loss Purdue team by over 25 points, and all of a sudden they're still sitting at six. So what they've done is they set it up perfectly for Ohio State to, to win out, win the Big Ten Championship against probably an inferior opponent, and then they're just straddled right into the college football playoff. And, you know, you look at it, I think Notre Dame could be a factor in maybe keeping them out yeah. of the college football playoff. Um, I think if it came down to it, they're going to take Notre Dame over Ohio State. Uh, I, I think it's about time they maybe do something like that and kind of say, Ohio State, look, You've screwed up here. You went on the road and got absolutely trounced. You just didn't get beat by a field goal. You got beat up. We're not going to give you one this year. Um, so I, I look at that situation. I, I don't know if the SEC can get two in. Jason, I don't. Um, now, the only way I could see that is if Georgia wins out and then somehow beats Alabama in the SEC championship, if that's the way it plays out. But other than that, I think it's a one-team SEC this year, uh, and that would be Alabama. Um, and crazy things have happened. God bless. If LSU actually wins that game next weekend somehow and Alabama shoots themselves in the foot, then that actually could be a possibility where you have LSU and Alabama in the college football playoff as well. So it's going to be very interesting over the next couple weeks. But right now, my hope is is that we don't have to deal with Urban Meyer uh, in December and January because that shtick is just getting old in Columbus. And I would expect him – uh, all these stories are coming out, man, about friction and headache yeah. and health. And I think, why the hell is this stuff just now coming out after a loss? Like, why does this <laughs> stuff always come out after a loss? You know, I didn't hear about headaches the week before Purdue, but now I'm hearing about it. So it's a weird situation, man. And, and I think college football with, you know, six games left, five, six games left, we've got ourselves a fun stretch coming. Also going to be fun to watch the Tennessee Volunteers men's basketball team. Number six in the preseason <laughs> rankings. I know you're excited about it. I'm really looking forward to getting to TBA to see a couple of games this year, I believe, as well. This team is really rootable, and Rick Barnes is a really likable coach. I've said some negative stuff about him before, but he's done a great job there. And they have some, you know, they have upperclassmen that have fought really hard. I think they're going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. How much uh, interest right now is there in Knoxville in that team? People are ready for basketball season. Like we're in the middle is it of Lexington? Football. People are ready for basketball season here in Knoxville. I mean, and you know they're going to kick things off October 31st with a uh, a warm up exhibition against Tusculum. Um, but I look at this team, man, and the whole SEC as a whole. Like there's there's going to be a Tuesday, Thursday night games, Monday night games where you're going to want to tune in to let's say Arkansas versus LSU. 
are, you know, unfortunately, Missouri lost John K. Porter. Uh, that's going to be tough for them. But all why that the SEC is going to be fantastic this year. And I had the privilege when I moved here to Knoxville uh, that I had a great SEC team that I can cover. And, and look, they have the, the makings to make a run like they did last year. They're going to have the target on their back, but they understand that. Now, look, I don't know if they get as many regular season wins because the SEC is just so good. But I look for this team uh, to make a run at the SEC championship again and, and make a run at the Elite Eight type deal and, and maybe get lucky and, and make a Final Four. You just never know in the NCAA tournament. Trey, it's always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Uh, should be a fun game tomorrow, certainly, and a fun slate of games. It's time for us to go home for the weekend, finally, uh, and that's yep. that's fantastic. Well, I say that, and then I'll be back in here tomorrow with Joey Kent with the tailgate show. It never ends, <laughs> but, we're, but we're blessed. I, I just said that, and I realized I was lying to the people, and I try not to do that. My man, listen, I appreciate you so much. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. You have a great kickoff show tomorrow. Uh, I look forward to talking with you soon, and uh, yeah, y'all be blessed. Yeah, you too. God bless you and yours, Trey. That is Trey Wallace. We'll come back on the other side, finish up the week talking high school football with Murphy Fair. That's next on the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. It's right. segment here big six 104.5 the zone glad to have you with us i'm jason martin i'm on twitter at jmartzone 615-737-1045 if you ever want to join any radio show here on this station our thanks to trey wallace from down in knoxville talked a lot of college football with him earlier on in the show titans bye week so not a whole lot to talk about but we did talk about the afc south to open this show now we talk high school football. We bring in my good friend Murphy Fair to finish off the week. Murphy, we're getting down to it, man. This is pretty much it for the regular season. You know, people talk about the semifinals of the playoffs and maybe the, maybe the state championships themselves, uh, but I'm not so sure that tonight, or this week anyway, last night and tonight, could very well be the best week of all for the entire high school football season because so much is on the line. So many bubble teams tonight Win, you keep playing. Lose, you can turn your jersey in on Monday morning. Yeah, that sounds very ominous, but it's also very true. So you are in Franklin, BGA and Lipscomb Academy. That should be a really good one. It's got a chance to be pretty good. Lipscomb has, uh, has not necessarily had the kind of season that they would have liked to have had, but they've had a good a good many close ball games, and uh, I know Scott Tillman will certainly have his team well prepared for BGA. Uh, but it's it's interesting, you know, earlier in the year we were talking about uh, how CPA and Lausanne were probably the best two Division II AA teams, sure. and we couldn't wait for them to meet in the Blue Cross Bowl in Cookville. But I don't think that's going to happen. Well, it and doesn't I, look like it can, and that's that's a shame. That people might think. Yeah, that's a shame. Explain that to those who, who aren't really, that don't know exactly. Well, there's three regions of Division II AA, and East a middle and a west region, if you will. Obviously, the west teams are going to play uh, on the bottom part of the bracket. The east teams are going to play on the upper part of the bracket. Uh, But the teams here in middle Tennessee are going both ways. And if CPA wins tonight against FRA, they go to Memphis uh, to play the western region teams. Uh, if if BGA winds up second, and it sort of looks like that's what's going to happen because CPA has already beaten uh, BGA, then BGA goes east. 
And so all of a sudden, finishing second in the middle region might be uh, a good thing as far as Wildcats are concerned because they won't have to uh, worry about Lausanne and, unless they get to the state championship game. Notre Dame and maybe a team from Knoxville may be the, uh, the worst medicine that they have to face. Back to what you were saying about Lipscomb Academy not having the, the greatest of seasons. They do have a left-handed quarterback that's a lot of fun to watch. I called one of their games for CPA Radio, um, filling in for Blake Fulton a couple of weeks back. And, of course, I've talked to Mark Mariani, who's on their coaching staff, uh, pretty regularly. And they have some play. They have some playmakers out there. They have some guys that play really, really hard. I don't know that they have talent across the field in terms of being able to match up with BGA, and certainly they couldn't match up with CPA. But they are one of those teams that you have to play them to the end because they're going to continue to fight. And I think that that's a credit to Scott Tillman, maybe not having a talented team, having a very young football team that's going to be better in coming years. But they certainly play hard for him. Well, they have. They've lost four games by seven or fewer right. points. They played Innsworth to uh, to a touchdown. Uh, they played uh, Franklin Road Academy to three points. Uh, it's it's just been one of those crazy seasons that. Uh, the ball has not bounced the right way, uh, and like most coaches say, I'd rather be lucky than good, and uh, the luck just hasn't been there for the Mustangs this year. You just mentioned Ensworth. They are facing off with Brentwood Academy tonight, which I think is more intriguing maybe than just the matchup itself, which is usually always good, but the winner of that game is going to get a first-round bye in the playoffs, and the loser is going to have to play maybe a Father Ryan or somebody like that in more in more of like a play-in style kind of game. Yeah, in Division II AAA, there are 11 teams, and all 11 make the playoffs, even if one of them winds up 0-10. Uh, and that's just the way the bracket breaks out. And so uh, uh, getting an extra week off is certainly very important at this time of year, you would think, although sometimes it ruins momentum a little bit, but I think anybody that's playing right now uh, w- would like to have the first week of the playoffs all, uh, uh, as an open date just to heal some wounds and nurse some injuries and make them a little better prepared for the second round of the postseason. Bears and Commandos, Mount Juliet and Hendersonville, one of definitely the biggest matchups tonight. That one could be a real barn burner. Yeah, and both of those have great following, so I would look for there to be a great crowd uh, at Mount Juliet for that event. Both of them are 4-0 in the region. Mount Juliet has the donut in the overall loss column, while Hendersonville's dropped a couple of close games, uh, but I think that's going to be a really good game. They're going to have to battle out with uh, uh, with some with some teams from uh, uh, the Murfreesboro region, which is not something that you would look forward to, uh, and I'm talking about the postseason there, but Region 3 and Region 4 battle each other. Uh, so even if you win that region, uh, probably in the second, certainly by the third round, you're going to have to face an Oakland or a Blackman, uh, maybe even a Riverdale who's got uh, a, a decent record as well. Uh, that's what makes the postseason so much fun, though. You never know who you're going to be paired with until this last regular season game uh, is over. Riverdale Blackman, two teams you just mentioned, they're playing tonight. Blackman needs that to be uh, second place. Yeah, and to get that first round game at home, and that's always such a big deal. Uh, you know, whether you're a one A team or a six A team, uh, you want to play on your own turf. Uh, force the other team to uh, to have to drive a distance. Force their fans to have to drive a distance uh, because, uh, as you well know, sometimes gates are not nearly as uh, uh, as high as you 
you'd like to see in the postseason because uh, although some people are avid, avid football fans and they're looking forward to cold weather, uh, tonight's going to be one of those, ah, do I want to go stand in the rain Right. if it does rain or not? You know, it's uh, one of those tweeners or ifers, you know. Brentwood and Centennial, uh, that's that's another one certainly with, with implications in Region 6. There's a lot of interesting things actually, Murphy, happening with Region 6. For first place, yeah. uh, Brentwood, Ravenwood, Independence, and then Centennials a game back at two and two. Uh, anything could happen there. There's possibilities for somebody. Some of these teams could win the region. Some could wind up in fourth place, depending on what happens tonight. And then back down in five A, you've got a three-way tie. Really, three teams that are three and one with Gallatin Beach and Hillsboro, where the the one is one of those other teams. They found a way to kind of beat up each other. It looks kind of like an like an old AFC deal <laughs> where they're just they're hurting each other. So that could go any number of ways. Yeah, and it could go multiple tiebreaker rounds before that one's decided. Hillsboro should beat Hunters Lane, and I think actually that's a Saturday afternoon tomorrow afternoon game uh, at TSU. Beach plays Hillwood. Gallatin plays Glencliff. That's the three best teams in the league playing the three worst teams in the league. So you've got to figure Hillsboro Beach and Gallatin are all going to be 4-1 and one, uh, sometime around 4.30 or 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Murphy Fair, our guest here, as we're closing up the Big Six on this Friday. Tullahoma, Maplewood, two 8-1 football teams, two really good football teams. That's a heck of a matchup to end the week as well. It really is. I've seen both of those teams play. Maplewood probably a little more explosive uh, than Tullahoma, but... Uh, Tullahoma has been the, the really great surprise this season, or certainly one of them. 0-10 last year, 0-10 the year before, and longtime coach John Olive has really done a great job. He and his assistant coaches and players as well, they're 8-1 right now. I don't think anybody in the, in the area dreamed of Tullahoma uh, being 8-1 uh, at this stage of the season after a losing streak of 22 or 23 ballgames. Murphy, it's always a pleasure. That should be a good one tonight, or I hope it's a good one for you to watch BGA and Lipscomb, and hopefully it'll stay dry, and we'll have a lot to talk about certainly next week as the playoffs begin. The scoreboard show will be interesting tonight. Because no doubt. I know Chad and Chris will be talking about everybody and what bracket they'll be on. Everyone surely needs to tune in about 9 o'clock for that one. No doubt. You'll be checking in with them, I'm sure, your usual time somewhere around 1030. That would be the case. All right. Sounds good, Murph. Have a good weekend, my friend. Appreciate it. That is the great Murphy Fair. We're out of time here on the Big Six. Chad Withrow coming up next. The high school football Friday begins. He and Chris Eakes will take you home with Friday Night Finals. I will be with Joey Kent tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock for the Tennessee Tailgate Show as we lead you into Vol Network coverage of Tennessee's trip to Columbia to play the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Until then, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.